We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. And we are back. We're excited. How are you guys? Yeah, we're back. No, 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 no. The the trio this trio thing it's become real right like like we're we're a trifecta the three musketeers ain't nothing gonna stop us now but oh wait uh this just in this is our last week with Maggie yeah this is sad it's really bittersweet it's my last show we're going back to the normal normal rotation starting next week uh, but this has been a ton of fun and I'm grateful that you guys welcomed me in to your team and you only made fun of me just a little bit. So if you're really mad that they're they're breaking us up, send all of your hate mail to Andy Herman's DMs. <laughs> Go ahead. And and let the crew that Maggie's going back to know about it cuz, you know, you didn't hear it, you didn't hear it here, but uh, we're better than they are. They don't, um, they don't deserve you, Maggie. 
So Kyle, I know we we were assigned a specific topic for tonight, but why don't we just spend the entire show trying to figure out like what is going on in Aaron Rodgers' head right now? Because we talked about the Jordan Love pick last Thursday, so it only makes sense. Let's let's prognosticate. Let's let's really like take a deep dive into the Aaron Rodgers psyche. How he's feeling about Jordan Love? Is he mad? Is he not? We don't know, but let's figure it out tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to start with you know. The emotional state of Aaron Rodgers. Now we can his work relationship to, with his family. Yeah, absolutely. We have to start with his family because everything stems from his family. And it's not a coincidence that, that Jordan Love has the same name as his brother. So this is clearly a connection. <laughs> it's a psychological attack on his life by the Packers, clearly starting with Mark Murphy and all the way down the line. So, I mean, we could, we're ready for this for the next 40 minutes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope a bunch of people did not just turn us off, but oh jeez, should we not do that? Let's not do that. I, I mean, I I feel like everybody's a little sick of the topic, but there's so little to talk about post draft. Uh, why don't we actually dive into what happened in the draft? Because obviously, we only saw the Jordan Love pick, and we were left wondering what was going to happen on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, can I ask you guys how much sleep did you get that night after we were done recording? Did you I, did you just go I, right to bed, no problems? Oh yeah, I slept like a baby. Nice. I was fine. I, I stood up for like an hour just to see and, and I was I was kinda happy that like all of the draft or the all the first round draft coverage was dominated by the Packers. Like that was fun. It's it's unique. <laughs> you don't I can't remember the last time that happened, probably when they got Rogers. Yeah. Um so so that part of it was kind of fun. But yeah, I, I just totally passed out. That was a long day. <laughs> it was a long day. It was a long day. I remember there are some years where I'm super excited about a pick and that will keep me awake. And then there's some years where I'm super mad about a pick that'll keep me awake. And then this year I was just like, I have no idea what just happened. And I just hit the pillow and went right to bed, I think. But uh, it was a ton of fun last week. Thanks for tuning in if you did. Uh, but Maggie, it has been a ton of fun. Thanks so much, really, for uh, sharing this this month, leading up, leading up to the draft with us. Especially, you know, last week's show was was a ton of fun. So if you guys missed that as listeners, go back, check it out. Uh, we did our best to give you our real-time takes <laughs> on the, the Jordan Love selection uh, as best we could. But um, this is the Packers QB of the future we're talking about. The QB is going to keep Green Bay winning until the year 2040. So no pressure there for Mr. Love. But uh, today, getting back on the rails after this long, <laughs> wonderful intro, we're actually here to talk about what the Packers did at the tail end of this draft, which is actually quite a bit. The Packers had six picks on day three, and yesterday's show covered uh, Kamal Martin, the Packers' uh, fifth-round pick, rather. Uh, but today, we're covering all five of the prospects who were taken in quick succession in rounds six and seven. The Packers started round six with offensive lineman John Running Jr. from Michigan, and then they not only doubled down but tripled down on offensive linemen with picks of Jake Hansen, the center from Oregon, and Indiana tackle Simon Stepaniak, who was actually a guard in all seriousness. Um, in round seven, the Packers took TCU safety Vernon Scott, 
a household name, I'm sure, as well as edge rusher Jonathan Garvin out of Florida. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people stopped paying attention to the draft after the third or fourth round, but the Packers have gotten some really, really good players on day three over the years. So we want to make sure that we do these guys justice. So let's start in that sixth round, Andrew. Um, what do you know about John Running Jr.? Yeah, John Runyon Jr. was a, a stalwart at, in Michigan um, on that offensive line for Jim Harbaugh. And you'd expect his technique to be really good with his lineage. If you don't know, uh, his dad played many years in the NFL, mostly for the Philadelphia Eagles and Tennessee Titans. Uh, he was a big nasty who is just like dirty <laughs> and, and really like a, a good technician though on top of that and and um so you would you would expect him to to carry on some of those traits uh he shadows pass rushers really well and typically has the answer for whatever they try to bring whether it be speed or power uh is really good using his hands on some counter moves he needs to add strength to anchor and pass pro that's kind of a theme of packers offensive linemen uh we'll talk about one exception later but um i think even like you know you look over the last 10 or 15 years, they tend to, to value movement skills um, and technique over strength. Uh, he doesn't create a lot of movement in the run game. He's more of an angle blocker, but that might work to his advantage in the zone running, running scheme. I had him as my 95th overall prospect, so obviously I love the value that they got out of Runyon. Um, I ranked him as an offensive tackle, which actually affects things quite a bit um, and not an interior offensive lineman, so that would have shifted him down the board a, a decent amount, but I think, you know, after reviewing some tape further, I think likely he is going to have to kick inside. But my philosophy is always you give a guy a chance to play offense tackle first. If he doesn't have it, slide him inside. I, I don't think he's David Bakhtiari. Like, please don't quote me on that. I'm not saying he's <laughs> David Bakhtiari. But people didn't think Bach was, was long enough to play offensive tackle either. So you have to at least give the guy a chance. Um, let him try it out throughout camp. If, if, he's, if he's not working there, um, that's okay because I think he can be a really good interior offensive lineman. Yeah, to me, Runyon Jr. really fits that mold of the prototypical Packers offensive lineman. Um, you know, he played left tackle at Michigan, which is kind of the standard for Green Bay's interior offensive lineman. Once they move, you know, inside in the NFL, they always take those left tackles and shift them inside. Um, that was, you know, a Ted Thompson thing. But I thought this was kind of like a fun stat, knowing, you know, that his dad, as Andrew said, was a big, nasty, dirty <laughs> in Michigan <laughs> and then in the NFL. Um Runyon Jr. is a two-time recipient of the Hugh H. Rader Memorial Award given to Michigan's top offensive lineman. And his dad, um, he and his dad are the only father-son duo to both win the award, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. And I also really, really love this pick. And I will be the first to admit that I'm a little bit biased because I am a Michigan fan. And so I've seen several years of solid play from Runyon, and I really don't see what makes him a sixth-round pick. I get that he does have some athletic limitations, but, man, he seems like a pretty big steal at this point in the draft. And I know he's probably going to earn that spot at guard. Um, that's where his most natural fit is, as Andrew said. But I can see a scenario, um, as we've kind of talked about here, where the Packers, say they lose someone like Wagner uh, to injury on the offensive line, and they're forced to get a little bit creative with a solution, and run in proves that he can stick at right tackle. I, I don't know that that's the plan right now, but I wouldn't be completely shocked if that happened. So love this pick. Um, but Maggie, let's go ahead and move on uh, to the second sixth-round pick here, Oregon's Jake Hansen. 
Yeah, so I know it's kind of hard to get excited about late day three picks, you know, sixth rounders in the draft, but I thought the Packers did a really good job here with their offensive lineman selections, uh, all three of them. You know, they have that history of finding late round guys, uh, the gems that turn into future starters for the franchise. And, you know, this could be the same scenario. It's obviously way too early to tell. Um, I'm a huge Corey Lindsley fan, and I hope that he's one of the players that gets re-signed in 2021. Um, But knowing kind of how stacked that free agency class is and how they're planning on prioritizing uh, the Hanson move made a lot of sense when Elton Jenkins last year was drafted I thought of him as the backup start or the backup center uh, but then he took over as the starting left guard obviously so he no longer offers that stability as a backup center Hanson to me kind of immediately becomes that guy he had a ton of experience playing the position at Oregon over 3,500 snaps um, and per, per pro football focus he also didn't allow a sack until his senior season so pretty impressive uh, for a sixth round pick yeah and this is what i had written down i think it really echoes what maggie just said you know hansen's a really smart player uh he he actually makes a lot of the calls on the line which sometimes is unique for a college center um, he has good movement skills, has played a ton of football at a major program, and he needs to work on his lower body strength. So, like, I literally could have read the exact same report when the Packers drafted Corey Lindsley. And unlike Maggie, I'm not a huge Lindsley fan. Um, but if you can develop a guy with the same skill set behind him for a year and potentially groom him, um, and he can become a solid starter on a rookie contract for a few years, like, sign me up for that every day of the week. The reason, the, the issue that I have with Lindsley is just what he's getting paid. Like he was a great value when they signed his contract, but now in the last year, he's getting a little pricey. He's up towards the top tier of centers in the NFL. And I don't view him as that, even though I think a lot of people do. And obviously, you know, we don't need to talk about the Packers clearly moving on from Lindsley with the selection. Anytime you take a player in like the sixth round, that's not the end of that player, you know, getting replaced or anything like that. But it is good anytime you can get any kind of an insurance policy of something could, that could be a plan going forward. So I love the Jake Hansen pick as well. Um, I'm going to move on here and talk about the Packers' final sixth-round selection. And Maggie accused me of wanting to talk about Simon uh, Stepaniak just because he's super strong. I think that that's a pretty, um, I don't know, aggressive accusation that she's made. <laughs> but to be fair, she was absolutely correct. I selfishly wanted to talk about Stepaniak just because he's a freak. He put up 37 reps on the bench at the Combine. And while he said he was pretty happy with that, he said he had uh, done quite a bit more than that in training, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, but you might guess Stepaniak is a force in the run game, uh, but what he boasts in strength, he gives up in mobility and agility. Uh, but boy, can he move people. Um, friend of the pod, Ben Fennell, shared a gif of Simon on Twitter, and in it he's tossing a Michigan pass rusher to the ground. And I'm not 100% sure, but as a Michigan fan, I think that that was Chase Winovich um, from a couple years back. So Stepaniak, clearly not afraid to be that enforcer on the offensive line. And while guys like Hanson and Runyon that we talked about need to add that strength, and that's probably their biggest deficiency at this point, Stepaniak has the strength but needs to kind of add some technique and control and consistency. So will be really interesting to watch his development and the kind of the player that he becomes for this offensive line. 
Yeah, Kyle, I'm not sure if you listened to Simon's interview when he first got drafted um, on Packers.com, but the reporter was almost teasing him, you know, and he said something like, oh, yeah, I saw you only did 37 reps. And Simon, <laughs> like, legitimately seemed to take it seriously. And he immediately was like, oh, no, I like... I've done more. 37's pretty good. It was the best. <laughs> like ever, you know, I don't know if he knew that they were kidding. Um, but yeah, he's super strong. And I think it's kind of worth noting too, that he played primarily right guard at Indiana. So I don't know if that would be any type of contingency plan in the future. You know, everybody always talks about the possibility of Billy Turner being a flex guy, maybe moving to swing tackle if he got beat out for a position. Um, so there is a comfort there already. Um, and per Pro Football Focus, he had 458 pass blocking snaps in 2019 with only one sack and 14 total pressures. So, you know, a lot of a lot of good quality reps there and not a lot of uh, give up on his part, which is good to see. Yeah, and the, the Packers almost took a similar approach they did a few years ago with wide receiver where they just drafted three um, on day three and, and tried to build depth that way. Like you hope that one of them sticks. Um, and, and hopefully in this case, two, maybe even three. Um, but for once, I'm not super nervous about an injury at interior offensive line because Packers have some serious depth there. If you assume Jenkins and, and Turner are going to win the starting spots, and who knows about right guard. But, um, you know, you still have Lane Taylor, Lucas Patrick. Now you have Runyon, Hanson, Stepaniak. Somebody from that group isn't making the team. Because even if Runyon can kick outside and play tackle and he beats out the the you know returning tackles like Alex Light and Yash Nijman um that's still you know a lot of interior offensive linemen to keep on the active roster so you know the funny thing for me Stepaniak struggled a little bit with power in the pass blocking game as a college player but that even if a player is really strong a lot of times they'll they'll struggle with pass or power pass rush moves um if their technique is a little bit off so that's something that he could definitely clean up um he'll certainly be somebody who's best moving forward i think uh, matt liffler is really going to like the way that he can open up lanes for aaron jones aj dylan jamal williams so um fun guys and uh Maggie, can can you tell us a little bit about this <laughs> Vernon Scott fellow? Because I don't know anything about him. Yeah, so as everyone has kind of discovered over the last week, there's not a ton of tape available on Vernon Scott. So he's been, to me, probably the biggest enigma or mystery unknown for this uh, Packers draft class. He only started one season at TCU, but he's versatile. That's kind of what I've gathered from the limited looks I've had of him. Can play nickel and dime for the Packers. He was one of those players, unfortunately, that didn't receive a combine invite. And then he was also unable to have a pro day due to COVID-19. So we don't have as much data on him as we do some of the other picks, a lot of his measurables and things like that. Um, I think if you are familiar with Scott at all, you're probably familiar with his one highlight, I guess, that's circulating all of Twitter, uh, which was his 98-yard pick six against Oklahoma. Um, He played on a solid TCU defense with... Ross Blacklock, (laughs) Jeff Gladney uh, in 2019. So I think, you know, he can hang. We'll see. The Packers only had uh, Will Redmond and Raven Green then as their depth in the safeties room behind Amos and Savage. So I think the pick made sense from that standpoint. Um, We'll definitely learn a lot more about him in camp. Uh, But he's also wearing number 36. So there's a good history there at safety for the Packers. And what's not to like about that? really found a way to weave Ross Blacklock into this conversation. (laughs) Uh, I don't know anything about Vernon Scott. 
it's weird because <laughs> I've actually gone back and looked at some of the the UDFAs, but I haven't looked at Vernon Scott at all. Um, so what I know, he has good size. Um, I've heard pretty good measurables. Uh, that, there were a few people floating around the idea that maybe he could be a hybrid linebacker. Um, and since Raven Green used to wear 36 and converted to hybrid linebacker, I'm just going to m- assume that they're now using the great 36 as their uh, safety slash linebacker number. But, um, you know, he, he seems to be a safety with some good coverage skills. There, there were, there was a video or two I saw floating around Twitter where they had him lined up at corner. So um, Kyle, why don't you fill in the gaps of what I've missed? Yeah. Keep your expectations pretty low here because uh, (laughs) I I don't know anything either. Uh, Scott was the pick that seemed to come out of nowhere. The picks like this always kind of make me wonder what it makes you know, a team fall in love to the point where they're like, we can't let this guy get to free agency. Uh, Neither NFL.com or the draft network had profiles on Scott. So he's clearly someone that was kind of off the radar for most people. Uh, But Goody pointed to his versatility, like you said, and called him someone that they considered to be a late bloomer at TCU and said that they liked his upside. So um, he'll be a fun player to watch because of how little we know about him at this point, which is almost nothing. Um, Andrew, let's uh, talk about another player that we might know a little bit more about in the seventh round. Tell us a little bit about Jonathan Garvin. Oh, I love Jonathan Garvin. In fact, there's probably a tweet out there. I didn't even go back and look, but there's probably a, a, a list of best players available in the third round for the Packers with Jonathan Garvin hanging on there. And by the time they took Vernon Scott, I had just completely given up. God, I'm like, they must hate this guy. Like, there, there's no reason he should still be on the board in the seventh round. Um, but he was. And then the Packers passed on him again. Uh, so I just assumed he wasn't going to get picked. And, and when they did, I thought they got an absolute steal uh for me you know garvin has really good movement skills a great body uh he's gonna beat you in the pass rush game with mostly quickness and power at this point uh he makes plays in the backfield against the run he's more of a penetrator not necessarily somebody who's gonna hold the edge so um you're probably not gonna see him in in on, on first down but um you know he needs to work on his technique he is raw off but the tools are all there and and i know i was higher on garvin than just about anybody else in fact i had him as my third edge rusher and my 41st player overall <laughs> in my adjusted rating so uh yeah that's ridiculous and probably too high but <laughs> he, he got he got gigantic boosts in my rankings because he's only 20 years old and so that gets factored in like really heavy age age is a big factor because um you know i'm looking at package preferences and then he also had a I don't know if it was a 9.04 or if it was like 8.9 something. I don't know. I had a mix up with my my RAS score on him. I think I got it before one of his results came back in. But regardless, really good RAS score. Um, and so I was super thrilled to get him in the seventh. I think he has a really good opportunity to replace the production loss with Kyler Fackrell. Um, he could potentially be a really you know, nice rotational player as the fourth edge rusher and somebody that could really be an impact special teams player. Yeah, I can't claim to be as high on Garvin as Andrew is, uh, but the more I watch from him, the more excited I do get about his potential. I just did a write-up that'll come out 
today um, at some point for the edge rushing unit for uh, how the roster stands currently. And yeah, he's currently, I would say, the favorite for the fourth spot. You know, his nickname's Spider because he's long, he's agile. There's a lot to like when you watch his game for sure. And kind of the uniqueness that he brings to the unit behind the Smith Bros and Gary, uh, that speed is kind of unique to what this team is currently missing. Um, Pro Football Focus had him tied for the lead, uh, this team lead at Miami with 46 total pressures in 2019. Um, and his pass rush grade was 88.2, which was second highest among all ACC defenders. Um, and I think, you know, Andrew kind of hit it on the head when he said that the best part is that he's only 20. So that there's a lot of ascending talent to work with there for Garvin. Yeah. Garvin just kind of seems like a very Packers pick. He's young. He's got all the tools in the world to work with. And I think from what we've seen, he's a more refined pass rusher than say someone like Kendall Donerson that the Packers took in a similar spot a couple of years ago. Uh, so got to like the upside with Garvin, uh, giving someone like Garvin to linebackers coach Mike Smith is also something pretty exciting uh, for his development. So between guys like Randy Ramsey, Greg Roberts, Tim Williams, and now Garvin, the battle for that Packers fourth edge rusher spot is going to be a really fun one to watch. As Maggie said, are you slandering Kendall Thompson <laughs> on this show? Really? I almost couldn't finish saying that without laughing because I was like, oh my gosh, Andrew's going to freak out. That's all right. Kendall Donerson is going to be a, uh, he's going to make the Pro Bowl this year at uh, off ball linebacker and at tight end. It's going to be really fun. Uh, so, anyways. Anyways, I think we all got really excited about about a lot of the day three picks. Um, of course, we probably need to temper our expectations a little bit. Some of these guys definitely are going to make the roster, and, and there's potential for some of them not to. Um, you know, but you know the the best you can probably hope for is a few impact players. So, anything else that you wanted to add on uh, any of the players we talked about? Nope, as long as you know Kendall Donner. <laughs> wow, great. Really, really fantastic way yeah. to end the show. Great um, podcast, guys. <laughs> it's been real. So so they're talking about un- undrafted free agents tomorrow, correct? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, I don't want to steal their thunder, but just really quick, were there, were there any uh, UDFAs that like stood out to you? guys? I, I always have a, a UDFA crush uh, every year. And I have one this year, but was there anybody that uh, stuck out to you? Maggie, you want to go first? <laughs> I'm just going to say, after the way that the draft fell for the Packers to only bring in one UDFA at wide receiver, kind of cracked me up, and it should not have done that. But I was like, well, here we go. There, Like, there's the answer. It's <laughs> He's one potential kind of slot guy, and that's what they did. That was their move. Yeah, it yeah. didn't seem like that that was going to be a huge value. You would think all of the the free agent wide receivers uh, who didn't get drafted would would be like, oh, Green Bay could be a really attractive option. And they yeah. did not even get like a really high impact. Yeah, that was really, really surprising. There were a lot of guys that signed other places that went to places like Dallas where they clearly invested and just weird, weird scenarios where you thought, yeah, we're going to get one of those guys. But um, I guess I guess for me, 
Patrick Taylor is really interesting. Um, somebody who is kind of dealing with injuries and may not have been able to put his best foot out there as we kind of got into the draft process. Watched a little bit of him today and just really think he could be kind of a Jamal Williams kind of player for this team uh, in a year or two. He's not going to be flashy and he's not going to probably be a starter, but he could probably churn out some yards for you. Um, and, you know, has, has a little bit more... Um, Oh, I guess juice than maybe I expected when I turned on the tape for somebody that wasn't drafted. So excited about him. And then uh, Darnell Stewart, I believe, is you know who we've already talked about. Not a player um, out of Michigan State as a receiver that you. He doesn't strike me as a player that's going to win downfield a lot, but um, kind of someone that you can get the ball in space to. Um, I, I don't think he'd you know make maybe more than the practice squad initially, but interesting in that way and uh, kind of a, a sneaky player uh, to maybe make that practice squad and maybe be a, a receiver that had a little bit more than I thought maybe he would as an undrafted player. Yeah, and I, you mentioned it. it's Patrick Taylor, correct? Did I say What did I say? No, I think that's what you said. Yeah, Patrick yeah, Taylor. Yeah, Patrick Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah Patrick Taylor. Um, uh, and he struck me. He was a guy that I took a look at in, in draft prospects, and, and that was a name that stuck out to me too. And I could really see a path for him um, as a practice squad player who, you know, maybe if they have an injury or two could come in and really make an impact late in the season, um, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to call on the James Starks route to the roster, but re- I mean, really, like it's there to to um, be an impact player. And my guy is Stanford Samuels the third from Florida State because you give me any quarterback from Florida <laughs> State, and I will love them. I guarantee it. Uh, but I really liked what he could do as a a long. Um, uh, a long guy with really good ball skills. Uh, he may not have the lateral movement skills to be really exciting, but maybe could be a, a potential fill-in for Kevin King if he misses any time. So really liked what he was doing. Um, but we will let uh, the folks tomorrow talk about our undrafted free agents and not totally steal all of their thunder. <laughs> but uh, that is all the time we have for today. This has been Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. This is our farewell to, to Maggie. <laughs> we will never talk to you again. So <laughs> Ever. Just, Ever. Just know that. Um, you, you, can, you can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. She has the Pax What She Said podcast with Perry. Perry. Right? Yep. And uh, you also write for She Said TV. Yeah. Anything else that you want to promo? <laughs> No, just don't follow me on you Twitter. Can, uh, it's you can promote the article about the outside linebacker position battle and how Donerson's not going to make the team. You want to promote that article? <laughs> I don't want to get in the middle of this. <laughs> you know, Kyle, you still have to work with me after this. Oh, that's week. true. That's true. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, remember that. Um, but anyways, Maggie does a phenomenal job on like any platform whatsoever. Um, and... It was it was really cool to have you on our our little team for a while. So hopefully next year we get the same opportunity. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. This was tons of fun. Yeah, awesome. tons of fun, Maggie. Thanks so much for sharing the month. This it was a ton of fun. Yeah, you you make make Kyle and myself significantly better. <laughs> well, I mostly just drag him down. Uh, <laughs> But please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. We're going to have some really cool topics coming up to try to fill in the time between uh, the draft and whenever OTAs are going to be. Uh, so 
You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday. We're going to be back with more off-season coverage. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.